0: Okay, good morning. It is a privilege to serve in this church because, just like it happens every time we take a break, this place just goes abuzz. And I think it's great to be a part of a church family where people enjoy seeing each other, visiting, that's all good. If you've ever been to a church where you just nod at your neighbor and no one says anything, you know, and you don't get the sense of community, this is a great Little church with a great sense of community. So keep loving each other, and uh, thanks too for taking your seats. If you need a, does anyone need a pencil here? If you need one, John's going to pass them out. Um, there was a gray piece of paper close to your seat. If not, snag one from the seat beside you, or maybe they're on the floor. Okay, how many of you uh, ladies, homemakers, um, ever asked this question? What do y'all want for supper? that hard? Cooking is a problem. Most of you gals can cook whatever you need to cook, but sometimes thinking about what you're going to cook is a challenge. So sometimes Brenda will say to me, what do you want for supper? Just throw a piece of paper. Next Sunday, Pastor Bill and Gloria are going to be gone, which means I am responsible for the music supper. You say the music supper, yeah. All the songs that we sing every week, Pastor Bill picks out. So, what I want you to do on this little piece of paper, you'll write down three of your favorite Christian songs. We won't sing all everybody's favorite songs last week, but I would write like here, what would you all like to sing? Put, put three songs down on here. I would like to sing. It's been so long since we sang. I don't know what song you like. I don't know if you like traditional hymns, if you like contemporary Christian music. It doesn't matter. I just want to know where this congregation sits. Give me three songs on this piece of paper, okay? Let's do that real quick. Because If you're still writing and I'm preaching, then it's kind of distracting. I mean, I want you to write when I'm preaching, but no. So, just give me three quick songs I haven't heard. It's been so long. I would love to sing. Because I want to know what y'all want for supper next Sunday. Or what you want for song service next Sunday. Three songs. Three songs. And you know what? If you just come up with one, I can only think of one that I would like to sing. I'd like to hear your hearts. So, anyway you do that, I'll give you about another minute, and then we're going to jump right into Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is our, going to be our Bible passage this morning.
1: That'd be fine. You don't to go, please don't
0: do that. If you, I'll tell you what, if it were done, when you turn in your pencil, just send it over there or give it to someone else. So if you want to make a stack by the door, if that's easier, or a place over on the other table, just leave it there. Okay, great. I will look forward to putting together the worship service as well as the sermon for next Sunday. Okay, we have been in Colossians chapter 3, and I want to ask a question. What would you all think if I attempted a double somersault off of this platform? What would you say? I yeah. oh. for you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna You're an Well, some of you would probably want to grab your iPhone and <laughs> put this pastor's pace plan on. That'd probably go viral. Or I mean, not viral. But it would be I'm like, on Fail Army. Let me get my phone. Right fail Army. I am not attempting a double somersault. Why would that be unwise? You would say, well, Jeff, this is only a six-inch platform. To attempt a double somersault from that height would be painful. Now, if I was standing on top of one of those three-meter platforms like they do in the Olympics, okay, that's that's quite a bit higher. Or, I don't know what the height is. You could say, well, you could do a lot more from that height. You say, what's that got to do with Colossians 3? Well, for the last several weeks... We have been working our way through the doctrine, through the teaching, through the uh, talking about the big and the eternal aspects of what is in the book of Colossians. It's not until Paul takes us and builds this rather very large, rather strong foundation of who we are in Christ, Christ's work in our heart, before he brings it down to the daily. We go from doctrine to the daily. We go from the eternal to the everyday. We go from the majestic preeminence over creation to Monday because what happens tomorrow at your house with your husband or your wife, your children or your parents, what happens tomorrow when you go to work, now Paul gets to put it into real life for us. And I think it's essential for us to remember, don't attempt the double somersault of loving your wife, honoring your husband, raising children, employing. The eternal truth of God's Word. This is important. So, what we want to do with your Bibles open, let's just real briefly l- remind ourselves where we've been. We're going to recline the platform now just so we're going to dive off, but here's a bit of a review. Remember last week, we talked about the new self, raised with Christ. All of this is based on We have been raised with Christ. Seeing, therefore, since you have been, because this is the fact, I died to my old self with Christ, I'm raised to a new man, now, what am I supposed to do? Well, first he goes back to our hearts. In my heart, seek, desire the things that are above where Christ is. It includes my mind, my thoughts. You, beloved, are at the steering wheel of your mind. Okay? God allows you to drive your thoughts. In a sense, a temptation or a bad thought can come in and you can, you know what, like you do when you're driving. You just, you can steer around. That. And when you drive down the road, it takes little adjustments, doesn't it? You can't just hold it. You are constantly adjusting as the thoughts come through your day. You're adjusting to stay in the path that God wants for you. We're setting our mind on those things that are above where Christ is. Now, he told us earlier in Colossians three he says, OK, since you're a new creation in Christ, some of these things should just be put to death. Remember, immor- uh, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires. And some of us up at the top go, oh, immorality, that's not me. Well, remember this. Jesus said to look at a woman the wrong way is to commit adultery, is to commit immorality with her. So God would say these things should be put to death. And then it gets down to covetousness. Finding someone... Who doesn't come? I remember I was driving to church one Sunday, and this guy was mowing his lawn, and I was having this "How dare he mow his lawn on Sunday?" thought. (laughs) Because I'm because I'm not mowing my lawn on Sunday. At the same time, I drove past the house we were looking for houses, and about "Oh wow, that is a really nice house. I wish I had a house like that." What's wrong? You know. Um, the Lord said honor the Sabbath day I was all on on this guy about not honoring the Sabbath day according to my mind at the same time I'm driving to church coveting my neighbor's house okay God says hey all these things should be put to death then he goes on and says okay not only should those all be put to death throw these in the can anger right remember the whole adultery in your mind in your head is like adultery in a bed he says okay anger Getting angry at Your brother's like murder I've never killed Any of my kids physically Have you ever murdered One of your children In your minds Or your spouse I'm, in, I'm preaching to a Congregation of murderers How about wrath How about malice Malice is You hurt me I will hurt you back. Slander is to talk bad About Philip Obscene talk Or even lying He said these all We're going to can these All these other things Are dead We're going to can these And then where do we go We have to this. Remember the seeing that this is essential. I have put off the old self and I put on the new self, which is being renewed. It's constantly being renewed. How is our mind renewed? Beloved, in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Christ. And he goes on, he says, "Okay, therefore is chosen and holy and beloved. What what where did that leave us last week? This is where we left last week. We are a renewed Christian whose mind is being renewed after the image of Christ. This is where we. This is our platform, folks. We're going up the steps, getting to the top here. This is what it looks like. Okay, so you have a Christian whose whose mind is being renewed after the image of Christ. And what happens? They, he says, as my chosen and my holy, and my beloved ones, as my, you are you are children of the King, and you go to the King's wardrobe. The king's wardrobe means this is what we put on, folks. I put on compassion. I have a compassionate heart and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forbearance and forgiveness. That's what I put on in the morning. And above all those things, I put on love, it binds the whole thing together. Not only that, what's up here to the top left? The peace of Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And the word of Christ. Dwelling in me richly. And I am thankful. it easy to be around people who are appreciative. They're nice people to be around. I'm giving thanks. A lot of singing. And all of things things are going on. And that brings us. That brings us to verse 18. Okay. That brings us to verse 18. Paul has got all of this is in place. All of this is put. We put on all of these things. Now... The topic, the, the heading topic, uh, topic here in the, my Bible, the paragraph uh, heading says, Rules for Christian Households. Our message today is titled, God's Word for Christians at Home and at Work. God's Word for Christians at Home and at Work. That's where we pick it up this morning. So let's just read here. We're going to read from uh, chapter 3, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 1. Colossians. Here we go. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to the scripture this morning, we pray that our hearts would be open. We thank you, Lord God, that in your wisdom... You sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you all things. And He will bring these things to our remembrance. And not only that, Lord, but You will help us to understand the Scripture and You will also help us apply it. And we look forward to hearing from You as we consider Your Word this morning. And we also look forward to Your help in the coming days of putting it into practice. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. This is radical teaching, folks, for a number of reasons. First of all... It's interesting to note in these three situations, he talks to wives and husbands, he talks to children and parents, and he talks to bondservants and masters. Did you notice who he mentions first in every situation? In John, oh, it's not John, I'm sorry, in Luke, there's a centurion who asked Jesus to come heal a servant. Remember the story? My servant is sick. Jesus starts to go to this man's house, and Jesus says to the, uh, the centurion, Send the messenger says, No, 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 you don't have to come yourself. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And he said, This, I am a man under authority. I get this, Jesus. If you're in authority. I am a man under authority. I say to one, you Go here, do that. I say to this one, Come here. He does it. He says, I get this. Jesus said, This man has great faith. And this is a man under authority. Jesus addresses the persons under authority. Do you know that if I am a slave, but I decide in my mind I want to serve you, I'm a very good slave. Why is that? Because you can't force me to do anything. I want to do it for you. And you can't ask me to do anything that I don't want to do. That's pretty neat. And what's cool neat, cool. What's really neat about this is that God addresses those who are under authority first. He starts with the wives. This this reflects the the great concern and care that Jesus gave to women. In many ways, the Savior's ministry dignified the role of women. He talked to women that you weren't supposed to talk to. He touched women that you weren't supposed to talk. And Jesus, in this case, he raises the bar kind. Remember, look back with me for just a minute to verse 11. Look at verse 11. What it says in verse 11 is that it says, Here in Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. In another place, the apostle would write, there is neither male nor female. So what he's doing there is he's doing this gray leveling is a husband more important than his wife? No. No. And yet, in a biblical uh, framework, the wife's role is under her husband. Okay? She is to, first thing he says is wives submit to. The Greek word is huppotasso. It's simply, it's a military term. It's kind of like when you have a sergeant. And he, su- he submits himself to his captain. And there's this sense of respect for his position. But it doesn't mean one soldier is better than another. I, I mistakenly had a problem once. Maybe I've shared this with you. I remember once being on a football team playing a quarterback. Sometimes those guys can think they're a little more important. So on this particular play, I made a comment about the intelligence of one of my linemen. Okay, So the next play this lineman just stepped aside and let this mind back greet me with love and affection he's got an arms around me and uh, my point is this God forbid that any part of the body ever think it's more important than another let my head tell my heart that he's more important and all the heart has to do is stop beating once Right, And if the, if the head the husband is considered the head of the home and the wife is the heart of the home, how dependent are these things? How equal are they in their importance? And yet God says to the wife, He says, submit to your husband. Kupotasso, willingly arrange yourself under their rank. It's a matter of position. We can't. Try to drive from the other seat, depending on who's sitting there or who's sitting in the back, but you can't have more than one driver. You can all give input, but hey, somebody. So he says to the wife, you voluntarily submit yourself to your husband. And here's the reason why. or And here's the here's the limitation. As is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. If a husband asks a wife to do something that the Bible would forbid. Let's say a husband made a bunch of money on his Last year, speaking of taxes, they're due this week. Don't forget that. Um, but his wife knows that he didn't record that income. He says, here, honey, I need you to sign the tax return. And she knows he hasn't reported it. I mean, is a wife supposed to submit to a husband if he asks her to do something illegal? Honey, I love you, but I can't do that. Submit as is fitting in the Lord. Next, he addresses, he starts with the wife, now he addresses the husband. He says, husbands, love your wives. Now, you say, you know what? He's not giving these things very much scripture. But, beloved, look how much scripture he gave us getting to the platform, right? We have a renewed mind. We're wrapped in love. We're putting on a new man. All of that is part of, now, wives, submit your husbands. Husbands, love your wives, and, there's a plus sign here. Do not be harsh with them. Sometimes, men, we can have a tendency to be harsh. We can have a tendency to be selfish. We can have a tendency, if things don't quite go our way, to you look little right, you God says, no, not in my economy. Not in kingdom marriages. I want you all to love your wives. This was a new thing for them. Wives were kind of looked down on, not... Like almost a subservient thing. In fact, sometimes in biblical times, a man would have more than one wife. God never, by the way, never commands someone to marry more than one woman. But in the biblical times, they, you know, could treat them like put them down. And Paul is saying, listen, you love your wives, and if you want, man, right here beside this, right under nose First Corinthians thirteen. We just have a Bible study uh, Thursday night. What it means to love. And, and he really raises the bar First Corinthians 13 men, right beside there love your wives if you want a little more commentary on that 1 Corinthians 13 love your wives love is self, it's not selfish or rude it's not irritable it's patient it's kind a lot of these things okay husbands love your wives and if you want another one you can go to Ephesians chapter 5 as Christ love the church simply put husbands love your wives and don't be harsh with them don't be harsh with them Next, he moves on to children. Interesting, he talks to the children before he talks to the parents. And he says, children, obey your parents in everything. Wait, look in the Bible here. What's it say? Everything? Everything. What do you think of that, kids? Everything. Young people, can you think of an instance when you shouldn't obey your parents? There, I can only think of one instance when you shouldn't obey your parents if your parents ask you to do something the story is told I remember, years ago, there was a, a family and they had kind of fallen off of hard times and this family wasn't a, a, a Christian family but a little boy had been going to Sunday school with his friend and one day their field, their home was next, next to a uh, sweet corn field and so one night about evening the father told the little boy, take this sack he had a gun. He said, Come with me. And they went over and they stood by the road. And uh, they, they looked down this way and they looked down this way. Their intention was to go across the road into the sweet corn field and get some sweet corn. And the dad looked to the right. The dad looked to the left He said, Let's go. And the little boy grabbed his hand and put his hand on his daddy. He said, Daddy, you forgot to look up. That's the only time, kids, I can think of when... You shouldn't obey your parents. Pull to the state fair, and, and the lady says, "So, how old is everybody?" You know, if your dad says, "Hey, tell them you're 10. to save two bucks, you should say, "Hey, Daddy, <laughs> God says I'm 14. What do you think I should say?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, children, obey your parents in everything. Why, young people, you can't get a higher motive than this. Because when you obey your parents this pleases God you know when you think about the 10 commandments right the first 4 commandments point this direction right no other gods right Uh, don't make any idols number 3 God's name number 4 God's day and the very first commandment that has to do with anybody else look at this 4 point this way is pointing toward other people that is children obey your parents in the Lord this is right and it's pleasing to the Lord. I can't give you a higher motivation than this makes Jesus really happy. Obey your parents and everything. Then he turns from the children and again he goes up in terms of authority not up in terms of importance or value in God's eyes but in terms of role and he says to fathers interestingly he doesn't say mothers Although, moms, you would probably admit you can provoke your children, right? That can happen. But he addresses the dads. He says, dads, I don't want you being harsh with your wives, and I don't want you provoking your children to anger. I don't want you to be so crazy demanding, so impossible to please that your kids are just like, forget it, I'm not even going to try. That would cause a child to become discouraged. So fathers, we've got, we're got we addressed here twice. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Here's why. A discouraged child has, is going to have a hard time accepting the things you want to tell him about God or Christ in faith. They can become discouraged. God doesn't want us to discourage our children. I know as a dad, I can do this. I can do this. first thing I said, maybe I shared this story with you, right? How I know? first thing I said was, what's up with the cop? Not a word about, hey, thanks. Whoever mowed the lawn without me telling him, I would like to say, thank you. Why do I get so focused on I'm sorry. God help me. I need the help of the platform. Here we go. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger lest they become discouraged. Then he turns his attention to another relationship at work. And now we're going to talk about work. It's interesting if you've still got your Bible open, and I do encourage you to keep your Bibles open. You gotta. It's up to us, the congregation, to listen to what whoever is standing up here saying are we staying with the Scripture. Look at how much space he gave. Um, verses 18 through 21. Okay? Four verses for husbands, wives, children, fathers. And now... The rest of this is spent on slaves and masters. Now, let's make a practical application. Do we have slaves and masters now? No. What would be a better word to put there? Let's say employees. Most of us have an opportunity to work. I hopefully hopefully have an opportunity to work. But he would say bondservants, slaves. But he's we're going to make a modern application. Employees obey in what? everything again are there limits to this everything did you did you watch the movie i think it's the movie courageous a, in the, in that movie they set up a situation where they tempt this interview this guy who's interviewing to see if he's going to be dishonest and the guy turns the job down because they're going to ask him to be dishonest and he gets the job it's a test and, and so we cannot obey our boss in everything if everything means we disobey our heavenly master, right? If my earthly master asks me to go beyond the limits of my heavenly father or my heavenly master, then we would have to respectfully say, boss, I, I appreciate the job. You've done a lot for me, but I can't do that. And that would be the only time we... It's not everything. Everything else we do obey obey and everything. Then it says here's a qualification. Not by way of, give me some eyes, eye service. Eye service. Do you know what eye service means? It means when the boss is there you work hard. When the boss isn't there you don't work so hard. And, and here's how you, I remember pulling this one. My mom had told me to go back when I was in the middle of a Sherlock Holmes mystery that I was kind of into back in the day. I liked to read Sherlock Holmes mystery. So I figured if I turned the sweeper on and read the book, I'm good, right? Well, that only worked till mother came up. Because that sweeper didn't seem to be set. She was downstairs. And you know, moms can tell. I don't know how they do this. Mom came up, I'm reading the book, sweeper just running. <laughs> not good. That's eye sir. <laughs> um, we'll just leave it at that. Not good. Give me a knot. Thank you, not with eye service Not with eye service But with sincerity of heart With sincerity of heart Fearing the Lord Now it's interesting Some folks ask And we'll we'll get to this um, This letter um, If you'll note If your Bibles are open We'll get to this next week Um, He said Onesimus In verse um, In verse 9 Onesimus Our faithful and beloved brother Who is one of you Onesimus is part of the delivery team Who takes this letter to to the Colossians? Onesimus and Tychicus Onesimus was a runaway slave his master was Philemon. Philemon is a part of his church. And so I think, when this is what I read this week, a number of Bible teachers have said, that the reason Paul spends a fair amount of time talking about uh, masters and slaves is because Philemon is getting a letter asking him to forgive a runaway slave. The slave, out of his conscience, is returning to his master. And Paul is going to appeal to them in the book of Philemon To love him and serve him But now he's, he's, he's radically changing Because slaves, like wives and sometimes children Were looked down upon And not considered to have a place And yet, in this epistle Now he's saying, employees Here's how I want you to serve um, Your masters And I want you to watch for a theme There's a theme here And you're going to see it So as employees, we are to obey in everything, but not with eye service, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And now he goes on. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. When you do a job, I don't care what your job is. One of the worst jobs I ever had was working for a man who built hog tools, And it was a bad day the day that this guy had gotten greedy and decided he could have pigs two levels. So he had made pig pens on top of the pig pens. Well, all the fans in the lower rooms had to be replaced. So it was my job to get in there and replace all these fans with another worker, but he had forgotten, well, not forgotten, he didn't have enough room to move the pigs over us. So for 13 hours that day, and the Bible says do all things heartily," we worked heartily. because <laughs> We wanted to get out of there (laughs) The point is, it doesn't matter what your job is. You work hardly for the Lord. And here's why. Here's the motive. You, and whenever you see this arrow, this is the motive or a reason. You are serving the Lord Christ. I don't care who your boss is. Your ultimate boss is God. You're working for Jesus. Hmm. Looking for a pattern here. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work hardly is for the Lord. You are serving the Lord, and he. And here's a plus, and you will receive the inheritance. This was new for slaves. Slaves didn't get anything. Slaves didn't receive inheritances. Children received inheritances. But Paul's writing to you, servants. Remember this: when you're all done working in this life, and I don't care if you're a janitor if you're a welder, if you're on an assembly line, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You receive your reward from the Lord and it's an inheritance. You receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. I'm seeing a pattern. Are you seeing a pattern? We can even back up a little bit. We'll catch that in a minute. But, so, he said all of this to employees. The Christian... Should be the most, the hardest working, the most sincere, not with eye service, understanding I'm working for this guy, but really I'm working for Jesus. And if you are working for Jesus and your boss knows you're working for Jesus, you are going to be one of his best employees. And you know what? That usually, not always, some bosses are pretty contagious, but that usually means blessing back. If you're there consistently working your heart out for Christ, God will bless you. And if not in this life, there is an inheritance. Okay. Then he turns the corner. He gets into chapter four and he says, masters. Now, again, we don't have slavery. Most of us aren't operating under slavery. But are any of you employers? Do you own this business? Or maybe you're not an employer, but maybe you are a supervisor and you have people working under you. I don't think John owns Baumgart, but John is a supervisor-manager. And maybe where you work, you are managing people. Well, then, what, how does this apply to us? Well, what does he say? Okay, and you masters, you you masters in, this, in our modern application, if you're an employer or a supervisor, you treat your employees justly and fairly. Why should the master treat his employees? Why should the employer, why should the Christian supervisor or manager treat his employees this way justly, fairly, why here's the motive, here's the reason I'm responsible as a Christian manager or employer because I also have a master in heaven I'm working for someone I want to treat them as I would have God treat me justly, fairly, and you know what? that's what God's calling us to do is there a pattern here, folks? Do you see the pattern? You know what? We can even back up and look on your notes. Back up in your family ties. Uh, wives, submit to your household, your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Remember how Christ has treated you. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Folks, all of this living out the Christian life is built on the foundation of who you are in Christ. That's the good news, folks. I have been saying, don't try this at home. Well, no, do try this at home. Tomorrow morning, this afternoon, try this at home. No, go beyond trying. With God's grace, put this into practice at home. But what's the key? Don't do this alone. Remember the jetpack? I talked to you about the jetpack, didn't I? It was Thursday night. Okay, the jetpack. I saw this clip on uh, the internet. This guy who's got a jetpack. And it's uh, got these huge pumps on his back. And he's connected to this big flexible pipe that goes down into this lake. And he pushes these buttons. And he rises out of the water. And he's flying around. And it's really amazing. But he can't do this if he didn't have, I don't know, how many hundred thousand pounds of pressure coming out the back end of this water spray. You cannot live the Christian life. It was not intended for you to live it by trying harder. You know, like an electric guy told someone this week. Have you ever had a wind-up flashlight? And then for a little bit. Right? And I'm not even talking about batteries that have to be replaced. I'm talking about this power cord. I'm talking about you and me getting plugged into God. And Hey, here's the key. Plug yourself. By grace, through faith Into the power of Jesus And then let Jesus help you be a Christian employee Let Jesus help you be a Christian daddy Christian wife, Christian children You know what folks, this is a good deal But we can't do it in our own strength And so I want to encourage all of us this week We're going to live for Christ In the power of Christ And you know what, may God bless your work May God bless your home. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we readily acknowledge how much we need you. And if if we're here this morning, God, and we have never been adopted into your family, God, we thank you that the invitation is open today. We can come to Christ. We can come to God by grace through faith in Jesus and be adopted. We can be taken into your family. And then we can, by your Holy Spirit's help, put off, put to death, and put on love and all these things, a renewed mind. And then, as a Christian husband or wife, child or parent, employee or supervisor, God, we can live our lives in a way that you can be glorified as we seek to pray. Bless each family here, each member of each family, bless our family members, Our church members who aren't here this morning, thank you for your love for us, Jesus. It's been our privilege to be here in your name. Don't forget to turn in your songs and have a great week.
1: We're going to close the service this morning with a song. Pastor Jeff is exactly right. We can't do this on our own. We need God's help, God's grace to undeserving sinners like us. Would you stand and sing with me a song that's become a favorite of ours? Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Amazing Grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The eye. promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. My chains are gone set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing grace. Sing that chorus again. My chains are gone. shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who calls